Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. Hey, did you ever wonder where a song comes from? I mean, the inspiration for a piece of art that lasts beyond the moment, that becomes something that people long to hear. What happens to create a moment and a song and a piece of art that grabs hold of the soul? That story in just a minute. I'm so glad you're here. Please go to jangoldstein.com as I always encourage you to do to check out my books, my novels, my nonfiction. And to leave me a a message. I'm so happy to hear from many of you around the world who have taken a moment to tell me what all that matters means to you and what it is that matters. Because that's what we're all about in this Positivity Podcast. And now, back to the story about a very special song. It is a song that... This time of year, we hear a lot of, and though you'll be listening to this two days after Christmas, I want you to know that back in 1941 on Christmas Day, that Bing Crosby stepped up to a microphone to introduce a new song. It was a song written by a Jewish man, Irving Berlin, who had by that time had many, many hits. Crosby began singing across the airwaves on his radio show. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the one I used to know. And he ended that song and the audience clapped politely. And it was the first time anyone had ever heard Irving Berlin's song that would go on to become a classic. And hardly anybody noticed Why? That moment in history was taking place about two weeks after the devastating attack on Pearl Harbor. And America was preparing for a deadly war, had little time for the sentimental song about sleigh bells in the snow. So much else was going on, says James Kaplan, the author of Irving Berlin, New York Genius. He said this was only 17 days after the worst attack on the country ever to that moment. There were more pressing concerns. Of course, White Christmas would go on to become the biggest selling single song of all time. According to the Guinness World Records, it sold more than 50 million copies with another 50 million in album sales. How did it become this mega hit? It's very strange that what really propelled it was the moment it entered the consciousness and the following year and what was happening in the world and what the world yearned for. Because young men were going off to war to face fascism and tyranny. They were going off to killing fields in Europe and in the Pacific. And the song's touching message would resurface. 
Why? Because we longed for a life that was. Can you relate? Can't we? We might not be in the middle of that kind of war, but we are in the middle of another kind of scourge that impacts the world. And if you're like me, over the past year and a half, there are moments when we have dreamed of the world that was. We will yet rebuild that world and build it into the world that will be different and yet warm. We will find our way to the kernel of this song, which is seeking that sense of connection, that sense of belonging. It was the brainchild of this Jewish immigrant to America, born Israel Balin in western Siberia in 1888. Irving Berlin grew up on the streets of the Lower East Side of New York City. He was the son of an Orthodox rabbi who learned about Christmas from his poor Irish Catholic family neighbors, the O'Hara's. Young Izzy, as the, his childhood friends called him, was welcome into their home. Just as I know I was welcome into my Catholic neighbors' homes as a young boy. And they introduced him to what some have described as the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And it left an impression on young Izzy. It was the first time he'd ever seen a tree, he told the Washington Post Post in 1954. He said, the O'Hara's were very poor, and later, as I grew used to their annual tree, I realized they had to buy one with broken branches and small height. But to me, that first tree seemed to tower to heaven. And so, after... Right, having written a number of hit songs that entered the American songbook, he turned his attention to compose White Christmas. And according to Kaplan's book, he tinkered with the idea for years before inspiration struck in early January 1940. He told his secretary, quote, I want you to take down a song I wrote over the weekend. Not only is it the best song I ever wrote, it's the best song anybody ever wrote. Irving Berlin had no problem with self-confidence. You could see that. But he was right in so many ways. He decided he would use this song, White Christmas, in a review he was planning to produce, but then decided to put it in a movie he was writing for Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire called Holiday Inn. The film was about a couple of country inn owners who put on musicals each holiday and it included hits like Easter Parade and Happy Holiday and Be Careful It's My Heart and production for this movie was underway in 1941 when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor 
So Crosby introduced the the song White Christmas on his national radio show on Christmas Day 41, but it barely made a dent. In 42, he recorded the song, reportedly in a scant 18 minutes of recording, they managed to put together with the orchestra and his trademark whistling accompaniment. And then the movie followed, and all of a sudden people were taking notice of the song. White Christmas reached number one on the charts in October 42 and stayed there for 11 weeks. For many young men away at war, the song hit home. The early days of World War II were devastating and not good for the United States and the fighting that was going on. Beginning with Pearl Harbor, the country had suffered a number of defeats in the first few months of fighting. Morale was low. People needed something to hold on to. I think we know that feeling of needing something to hold on to. This song, especially for overseas Servicemen who heard it played on the Armed Services Radio Network hit home. Kaplan compared the song to the experience we had shortly after the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. The Beatles performed on the Ed Sullivan Show and the country had been in darkness over JFK's death and suddenly... This bolt of energy and excitement, electricity and sunshine came across the television a few months later. Well, there was something, he says, like that that happened when White Christmas entered the consciousness of America. Suddenly they had something to smile about, to hold on to, to focus on, that reminded them about the beauty that the world could have all contained in a song. On the first anniversary of Pearl Harbor in 1942, Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Carl Sandburg wrote in the Chicago Times, Away down under, this latest hit of Irving Berlin catches us where we love peace. The Nazi theory and doctrine that man in his blood is naturally warlike, so much so that he should call war a blessing, well, we don't like it. The hopes and prayers are that we will see the beginnings of a hundred years of white Christmases with no blood spots of needless agony and death on the snow. And so it was that the servicemen couldn't get enough of it. And they played it, Armed Forces Radio Network again and again, flooded with requests for images of snow making treetops glisten. Those images comforted homesick young men as they fought and died in the deserts of North Africa and the jungles of the South Pacific. So it is that it became one for the ages. Howard Crosby, Bing Crosby's nephew, told the Spokane Spokesman Review in 2016 in December 1944 My uncle was in a USO show with Bob Hope and the Andrews sisters in northern France. He had to stand there and sing White Christmas with a 100,000 GIs in tears without breaking down himself. 
Of course, a lot of those boys were killed in the Battle of the Bulge a few days later. But we still want to believe in this vision of life and longing. And the song lasted beyond the war and entered the consciousness of America and the world at large. We, we who have continued through a very difficult time this last year and a half, stretching on to two years, we all look for that, that lifelong image of the world that was, of a world that maybe yet can be. We each have a part to play in creating the kinds of images. But look how important a simple, inspirational piece of art can be in connecting us to our humanity. So what I wish for you in the coming week, look for that song, for that poem, for that image that connects you to the world that was for it will serve as a bridge to the world that can yet be each of us has a part to play and that is exciting and inspirational thanks to the songwriters to the poets and artists thanks to those of you who tune in and then go out into the world and make a difference. Let this week and the coming year be a time of difference. Here's to you. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. (laughs) 